Good morning, church. I'm Steve. I'm a child of love. Very excited about you being here. Go ahead and stand up. Let's give the attention to God, right?
there's nothing he can't do. My name is Billy Janone and it is my privilege to be the one to welcome you all here this morning. So whether you are here in this room, you are joining us in person or you're joining us online, we are just so glad that you are here and you've chosen to come. It, I do have a few announcements for us though before we get started. The first is happening tonight, all right? So middle school, high school students and your parents, I'm speaking directly to you this morning, all right? They are having their parent versus student night at student worship tonight. All right, so that starts at 5.30. They're gonna have competitions, they're gonna have food, they're gonna have a time of worship, small group. But here's the thing, parents, you have got to show up. All right, it's a competition. We've gotta put these kids in their place and show them who's boss, all right? So we're gonna show up, we're gonna have our game face on and we're gonna win that trophy tonight. Second year in a row, we're gonna win that trophy, all right? (laughs) That's right, we are. (laughs) Second, guys, the one I am so pumped about Ladies, I'm speaking to you. If you have a teenage daughter or anybody else in the room, I know everybody knows somebody's got a teenage daughter, right? I'm speaking to you. My friend, Shannon Perry, is coming back to Frankfurt, and she is bringing her mother-teen-daughter event called In Her Shoes Tour right here to Cap City. That is happening in three weeks. It's coming up February 18th. It's going to be 8.30 that morning to 3 that afternoon. We're going to have fun. We're going to have food. We're going to have games and prizes. But most importantly, we're talking about issues that mothers and teen daughters face and what God has to say about those. And as much as I could go on about it, I do want you to hear it straight from Shannon herself. So watch this video. Hey, moms and teen daughters near Frankfort, Kentucky. I'm Shannon Perry. And we are so excited that we're coming your way with the Mother Daughter Conference in her shoes happening right there at Capital City Christian Church on February the 18th. Listen, 
you don't want to miss this fun, life-changing day with your girl. There's skits, games, door prizes, breakout sessions, lunch, breakfast, and most importantly, we're going to look at the areas that moms and teen daughters say they face the most and how to do that with the truths of God's Word. Tickets are just $15, and you can register at InHerShoesTour.com. Grab your friends, bring them with you, and I'll look forward to seeing you in person on February the 18th. I'll see you soon. And so like Shannon said, she said Frankfurt area, right? So this isn't just for Cap City. If you know someone with a teen daughter, 12 to 19, I want you to share this information with them because we want to impact as many mothers and teen daughters as we can. And I don't know about you, but I cannot believe that February is just three days away. <laughs> it's like we just started this year, right? But that just means that we have three days left to reach our goal of 1,000 nudges in January. So we want you to grab a couple of those Yes, It's Free cards on your way out this morning. You're going to take that. You're going to pay for someone's, you know, order in the drive-thru, maybe their coffee, groceries, gas, whatever it is, you're going to pay for it and you're going to hand them this card and say, yes, it's free, right? And you may be looking at me saying, Billy, you are crazy. Have you seen the prices of groceries lately? Guys, I promise I have. I have two kids with special dietary needs. Groceries are expensive. I got it. You may not have the room in your budget. That is okay. We want you to do it. Trust that God is going to provide because this is how passionate our church is about showing others the love of Christ. You bring that receipt to us. If it's something you can't cover, that's okay. We are going to be sure that you're reimbursed for that. Bring it to John Sutphin here at church. We want to show others what it means to love and follow Christ. All right. So we want to be that example in our community. So we're going to continue our sermon series this morning on skill set. And I want to ask you a question real quick. I want to know what cause it is that you champion and you support. What is it that you're passionate about in your life, right? So all of us on our social media profiles, like we've got information on there. Maybe it's something we post about a lot on social media. Maybe we've got stickers all over our car or maybe even our license plate. We all have a cause that we champion, all right? And I've got some broad categories for these different causes on the screen here. So fighting world hunger, right? That's something we can all get behind. We've got human rights. We've got medical causes. Maybe you or somebody in your family has been struggling um, fighting something. You want to raise, um, you know, funds for... Um, research or just awareness in general, right? Maybe it's protecting the environment. Maybe it's your family, education, mentoring, things like that. We are all passionate about something. So think about the order in which you would categorize these, right? Like what's first in your life? What's second in your life? What's third? What order would you prioritize these? And that's going to look different for all of us, right? Because we're all passionate about something different. But now I have to ask you, where does God fall on your priority list? Because as we continue our skill set this morning, guys, we're talking about Jesus being our first love. And that's not saying that any of these causes, any of these purposes are bad, right? That second, third, fourth, they're great. God gives us a passion for those, but we have to have them in the proper priority order. Okay, so in Jesus, uh, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6:33 that we are to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to us. All right, so I want you to think about that. Where does God fall on your priority list this morning as we watch this next video? Thirteen letters, three words, one sentence, and I hope you never forget it. I hope you always remember these 13 letters, these three words, and this one complete sentence. Jesus is better. He's better than any passing dream you might be chasing after. He's better than any worldly ambition that may have captured your devotion. He's better than anything that could distract you from doing what you were created to do. 
He's better than money, cars, clothes, entertainment, achievement, and popularity. He's better than anything this world can offer you. Jesus is better. He's better than any person that has ever walked this earth. He's wiser than Gandhi and smarter than Einstein. He's more eloquent than Shakespeare and more creative than Mozart. He's more powerful than Napoleon and more compassionate than Mother Teresa. There's never been anyone like him, nor will there ever be. Not even close. Jesus is better. The Bible says he's better than Adam, better than Abraham, better than Moses, David, and Mary. He's better than the angels, better than the demons, better than any prophet, priest, or saint. From beginning to end, this book has one beautiful story and one unified theme. The Bible is clear. Jesus is better. But there will be times when it's hard to believe. Times when it doesn't feel like Jesus is better. The world will reject you, your flesh will fight you, and the devil will lie to you. Storms will come. You're going to face disappointment, deception, betrayal, and rejection. You're going to feel tired, empty, brokenhearted, scared, and alone. But don't forget in the darkness what you learned in the light. Jesus is better. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the Prince of peace and the light of the world. He's the friend of sinners and the enemy of Satan. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is better. And if you really truly believe it, it's gonna cost you. You're gonna help the poor, defend the powerless, swallow your pride and love your enemies. You're gonna study the scriptures when you'd rather scroll your phone. You're gonna pray when you'd rather sleep. You're gonna serve when you'd rather be served. And you're gonna speak up when you'd rather be silent. But when it's all said and done, you won't regret it. You'll say it was worth it. Jesus is better. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. In other words, Jesus is better. Thirteen letters, three words, one sentence, and no question about it. Jesus is better. You guys buy that? Cool. How about those cowboys? You understand? <laughs> You see, I started rooting for the Cowboys back in 1968. That's before a lot of you guys were born. But a quarterback from our high school in California was competing for the starting quarterback job for the Cowboys against uh, a guy named Roger Staubach. Staubach won. I'm very grateful. Craig Morton moved over to Denver, had a good career. But I've been a Cowboys fan ever since. And just because they lost again, I'm not going to give away my heart. Doesn't work that way, does it, when you've got a passion? But they're done for this year, so I should probably put this away, right? Understand, I was really, really enjoy watching Josh Allen up there at Buffalo. Cincinnati tore him up. And this Burroughs is 
pretty daggone good. They're kind of fun to watch. So, who day? <laughs> Before we get started, we're going to take a little poll. Around you, you should have found a little tiny slip of paper. It's only got three questions on it. I'm going to take you through them one at a time. And I want to tell you first why we're doing this. Part of our goal here at Capital City is to nurture people who do life with God, for God, God's way together, right? And part of doing life with God is developing a relationship with Him even that goes beyond these walls. How do you do life with God outside these walls? We call it becoming self-feeders. Do you have a relationship with God that feeds you even when you're not here? Okay? Now, the primary way that we do this outside these walls is we pray and we read a scripture. And we want to know how you're doing. We need you to be perfectly honest. This is anonymous, so you don't have to lie. We just need to know where, how you're doing, okay? We're going to take a measure today, and probably in the six months or a year, we're going to measure again, and we're just going to see how we're doing as a church family. So three questions. Somewhere near you should be a pencil. You should have one of these things here. Uh, after this sermon is over, we're going to go to the Lord's Supper time. Just drop it on the table there, and then our our guest services team will pick it up a little bit later uh, time, right after the service is over. But question number one, okay? I pray to God several times a day, once or twice a day, once or twice a week, or rarely. Just be perfectly honest, guys, okay? Mark one of those, please. Next question. I read my Bible. Does yours say I read by Bible? That's got to be a computer error. I read my Bible every day, once or twice a week, or rarely. Just mark one of those, please. Be honest. Please write something down. Even if you don't do anything, we need to know, okay? So please fill something out, okay? And then the third question, I find other ways to spend time with God. We're not talking about on Sundays. You find other ways outside this church to spend time with God. So please answer that one. Put something on one of those squares. Again, this will help us a whole lot. Even if you just mark nothing for all of them, that's going to help us. Okay? We need to know exactly where we stand as a church family. Okay? So go ahead. If you don't mind, hang on to those. When it comes time to go to the worship stations for the Lord's Supper, then go ahead and just lay them there, and uh, we'll get started. Now, with respect to the sermon this morning, I'm going to give you the ending before I get started. Here's the ending. Remember who you are and what you stand for. If you're a Jesus follower, especially anybody really, but if you're a Jesus follower, remember who you are and what you stand for. And if you're a Jesus follower, if you get that right, your life's going to get better. Remember who you are and what you stand for. So, people are just weird, aren't they? I mean, look around you. <laughs> You're surrounded by weird. But sometimes it's not just about how they look. Sometimes it's about the things they obsess over. And sometimes people just admit how weird they are. I saw a list of hobbies. People actually put these hobbies on their resumes. They're trying for a job, and they list this hobby on their resume. Okay, someone wrote, I stalk celebrities. I mean... What do you do in your free time? I stalk celebrities. And to be honest, they thought that was cool enough, they put it on their resume, right? 
To be honest, a lot of people do it. Probably some of you guys do it. I'm just surprised you brag about it. Another person wrote, I like to argue with people online. (laughs) Put it on his resume. What a jerk, right? Give him a medal, a keyboard warrior. Although I suppose that's a whole lot smarter than arguing with people face to face. Takes less courage, right? Other people on their resume, they list a video game addiction. I love to play Fortnite, League of Legends, World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, Minecraft, or Candy Crush, right? Kind of their obsession in life, I guess, to master some video game, bragging about it. Listen, guys, I like video games. I really do, but I hope you're living for more than that. Some people are gym rats. They just live for their time in the gym or their next run. That's one of my problems, right? I'm a gym rat. Don't I look like it? For others, it's their next TV binge. For others, they obsess over some band or some brand of music or genre. For other guys, it's shopping. They just kind of live for shopping. You know anyone like that? For others, it's their obsession. Maybe it's you, an obsession with Facebook or YouTube or WhatsApp or TikTok or Instagram. Spend hours a day, right? What's on top of your list, your list of priorities? I found a website called Live Bold and Bloom. Live Bold and Bloom. It's all about relationships and self-improvement. And they had an article in there on the top 10 priorities that you should have for your life. Your top 10 life priorities. Number one, their number one, your health and your wellness. That's the most important thing, they say. If you're a Princess Bride fan, if you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything, right? So eat right right? Exercise right, watch your, watch your weight, because it's about you. It's about your health. Number two on their priority list, your relationships, parents, partner, friends, they say never take them for granted. Good advice. Number three, self-care. Self-care. Stuff like getting enough sleep and protecting your me time, because if you don't take care of number one, you're not going to be able to take care of number two and three and four, Right? Number four on their list, education, continuous learning, because you've got to keep growing you. You keep growing you, and it's going to give you an edge out there. Number five, self-awareness. You've got to know yourself. You've got to know your weaknesses. You've got to know your strengths. If you know your weaknesses, you've got to work on them, right? Fix what's broken. Number six, career development. Find the right job. Start climbing the ladder if you can. Number seven, Fun and recreation. I was actually kind of surprised this was so low on their list. I think it'd be higher on a lot of your guys. Travel maybe, sports, hiking, concerts, whatever brings a smile to your face, they say. Number eight, spirituality. I was curious where religion would fit on their list. And this is as close as I could come, but when they talk about spirituality, they say it's not the same of religion. Spirituality is just your way of connecting with something bigger than you, right? Maybe it's God, maybe it's nature, maybe it's something else you believe in. How sweet. Number nine, your finances. Saving for retirement, paying off debt, building an emergency fund, investing in yourself, giving back to others. In fact, I think the reason so many people are messed up when it comes to their finances is because it really is this low on their priority list, right? And number 10, number 10, last one on their list, giving back. Not just about money, it's about finding a charity, it's about finding a cause. What is your cause in trying to make a difference?
Now, none of the stuff on that list is bad, is it? The numbering, I think, is weird. And there's something missing, big one, for us Jesus followers, without which you're messed up. It's missing our number one, our seek first, right? Now, when they poll younger adults, millennials and Gen Zers, that finding a cause part, that giving back part, gets pushed up the board, at least theoretically, because I tend to think they talk the talk more than walk the walk. But there's a website out there called Why Pulse, and they kind of track whatever's pushing the buttons of our millennials and Gen Zers, basically teens through about age 40. They did a survey, this came out in 2021, kind of the top causes, the top causes for the majority of our teens and younger adults. And here's what they listed. First of all, I didn't even put it down there. The first thing was COVID, right? And then Black Lives Matter and racism, then LGBTQ and gender equality and sexism. They listed sexual harassment and abuse, climate change and the environment, abortion and birth control, poverty, hunger, homelessness, now, I've got to tell you guys that millennials and Gen Zers do not always take the same side on these causes. But having a cause is a big deal, which is cool. As long as you realize that not a single one of these causes is big enough to be the big one. Because if you're going to be a Jesus follower, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness bigger than anything else. Do you understand what that means? There's a theologian from Denmark about 200 years ago, really, really smart guy. His name was Soren Kierkegaard. I, I use a few of his prayers for a half-day spiritual retreat out at Cove Springs Park during the summer. Here's one of his prayers. This is what he says. He says, you have loved us first, O God, Alas, strange word. What he means is we don't get it. We have no clue what that really means, that you have loved us first. We speak of it in terms of history, as if you've loved us first but a single time. We think you just loved us first once, God. Rather than without ceasing, every day, our whole life through, you love us first. When we wake up in the morning and turn our soul toward you, you're already there, loving us first. If I rise at dawn in my, and at that same second turn my soul towards you in prayer, you're there ahead of me. You're there loving me first. When I withdraw from the distractions of the day and turn my soul towards you, you're always there first and therefore forever. And yet we speak ungratefully as if you've only loved us first once. Wow, it's cool. Do you get the point? God did not love you first just once. Every single moment of every single day, God is loving on you. You do not have to nudge him or push some button or raise your voice to get his attention. He's there first, loving on you. Do you get that? He may not like what you're doing, but he's still loving on you. Well, I'm going to flip that around. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And not just once. 
every day, 24-7, 365 till the day you die. Do you buy that? You see, we don't call Jesus Lord just once. For a Jesus follower, it's about 24-7, 365 till the day we die. If you want, you can call it single-mindedness. Now, we understand this kind of single-mindedness. We're just not very good at it. I mean, if you're married, I suspect you made a promise like this. You were asked this question. Will you love her, comfort her, honor and keep her, right? In sickness and in health and forsaking all others, will you be faithful to her? Remember the next words? How long? So long as you both shall live, right? You make a promise like that? That is not a promise that you can keep just once. And can you imagine something like this? Will you love her? To your feelings quit. Will you comfort her until she wears you out? Will you forsake most others and be more or less faithful to her until someone better comes along? If he makes that promise to you, ladies, how's that going to work out? And yet it's how we live. Or maybe you're in court and you make a promise like this I promise to tell the truth for the most part. How's that going to work for you? Or you've got a beleaguered friend, and you tell him, I've got your back, I've got your back, unless they start dogging on me too. I mean, you get it, guys. Some commitments that we make have to be reaffirmed over and over and over again. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek first God's righteousness, not just once. Now, these words are found in the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 6, the right smack in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus probably spoke these words originally in Aramaic. That's probably the language he was using at the time. But Matthew, one of his disciples, records them in Greek. And the Greek word that he chose is probably pretty important. The verb is seek. Seek first. And the verb seek is an imperative, which means it's a command. It's not an option that you can choose if you're a Jesus follower. It's an imperative. It's a command. But more than that, it's what we call a present imperative, which in Greek can be a pretty big deal. It means do it now and keep on doing it. Seek God's kingdom first right now and keep on seeking God's kingdom first. It is not something you do once. It becomes a way of life for a Jesus follower. You know why? Because he's worth it. And it's worth it. I looked up the word single-minded. There's a couple of definitions that I found. Focusing on one aim, focusing on one purpose, kind of like the single-minded pursuit of profit, right? Some people are like that. Or the relentless pursuit of a goal. One driving purpose, one driving resolve to be determined and dedicated. Someone who has only one aim or purpose and determined to achieve it no matter the cost, right? And single-mindedness towards anything can lead to greatness in that thing. Michael Jordan, relentless. Ray Lewis, eight to ten hours of exercise every single day. Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky, the great one, unmatched in his dedication to the game. Roger Federer, Jerry Rice, amazingly obsessive about his training. Not just athletes, 
musicians like Jimi Hendrix or Eric Clapton or Eddie Van Halen or Yo-Yo Ma, right? Entrepreneurs like Einstein or, I mean, like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. I left Einstein for the scientists like he or Stephen Hawking. They're relentless in their pursuit of a goal. They're determined, dedicated, regardless of the cost, and they can get so impressive, so praiseworthy, unless, here's what happens, unless their pursuit of a lesser goal inhibits their focus on what is infinitely more important. Unless your pursuit of a lesser goal inhibits your focus on what is infinitely more important. Because here's the problem, guys. Way too often, good things become God things, right? So often, our pursuit of good things becomes more important to us than our pursuit of God. You buy that? You see, I don't care what your cause is. I don't care what your passion is. If you're a Jesus follower, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not just once, but every single time. Guys, if any cause becomes bigger to you than your Jesus following, you become what the Bible calls an idolater. It's idolatry, and it's going to mess you up. Back in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant with God, this idea was foundational. It still is. But God gave them these Ten Commandments. Remember those guys? And here's commandment number one. This is kind of the big one that you start with, right? God says, I am the Lord your God. I am the big G God, and you will have no other gods before me. And I don't think he's just talking about made-up little g gods like Baal or Asherah or Marduk or Molech, gods of the Old Testament time. I think he's talking about anything in your life that becomes more important to you than the big G God, anything. And he's not just talking about Sundays. He's talking about 24-7, 365 till the day you die because he's God. He's Lord. Nothing usurps his place in your life. In the new covenant, that's our covenant with God, Jesus makes the same point, puts it in different words. He says, no one can serve two masters. You can only have one. No one can serve two masters. In other words, you'll have no other gods before me, right? In the end, if you're a Jesus follower, there's only one who can have the last word in your life. There's only one whose plans for you and whose desires for you must win. It's not your wife or your husband. It's not your mom or your dad. It's not your friend or someone else that you might look up to. If you're a Jesus follower... God wins, guys, every single time. He says if you try to serve two masters at some point, they're going to clash, and you will not be able to please them both. Eventually, you'll hate one and love the other. Eventually, you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other because you cannot serve God and, he says money, he means anything else, anything else, play it out. You can't serve God and be enslaved to your marriage, your kids. It's not about what your wife wants, your kids wants, if that clashes with what God wants. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to your job or your dreams. We won't do what is God dishonoring to get ahead. 
You cannot serve God and be enslaved to whatever makes you happy. Pleasing God is more important than pleasing me. Do you buy that? You can't serve God and be enslaved to some cause, no matter how good your cause is. We Jesus followers will never sacrifice our faith or our obedience to the big G God for any lesser cause. Do you get that? So what is it in your life? What is it that you love so much that if you're forced to choose between it and your obedience to God, you hesitate? Now there's a little bit more to that verse that I opened up with. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then he says, all these other things will be given to you as well. Here's the NLT. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he'll give you everything else you need. Because here's what's going on. Jesus is talking to people who are hyped up over their bodies, over their food, over their clothes. In fact, it seemed like they cared about that stuff more than they cared about God. And they had reason, better reasons than we do. Life was tough back then. But Jesus still says, stop it, guys. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek first God's righteousness. And God will help you take care of the littler stuff. And I'm telling you guys, compared to our pursuit of Jesus, everything else is, by comparison, littler stuff. Do you get that? You see, keeping him first keeps everything else in perspective. Because here's the deal, guys. Most of us Jesus followers don't actually renounce Jesus. We just drift away from him. Most of us don't officially reject Jesus as our Lord. We just allow lesser things to take his place. And usually, not always, but usually the things we push Jesus away for, they're not bad. They're just not God. Caring about your body, your diet, your exercise, your weight, it's not bad. It's just not the most important thing to us. Caring about your marriage, your kids, your parents, that's God-honoring. It's not God. Your education, your job, good stuff, important stuff. But if anything about your job or your education clashes with your following of Jesus, it's not a contest for us. Your hobbies, your games, your social media, your me time, all that stuff can be good. It's not always good, but it can be. But when any of that stuff causes you to start losing your focus on God, when any of that stuff becomes more important to you than your life with God, doing life with God, for God, God's way, you've work to do, guys. Even your causes, political causes, social causes, charitable causes. I mean, some people who are very close to me are passionate for all three. I've got friends who are politically passionate, socially passionate, charitably passionate. They're so passionate sometimes for their causes that their cause becomes more important to them than their faith. Winning people to a cause becomes more important to them than winning people to Jesus. Winning the fight is more important than winning a soul. And that's messed up. For a Jesus follower, that's almost the worst kind of tragedy. You see, sometimes, guys, sometimes the good is the enemy of the best. Sometimes our pursuit of what is good corrupts our pursuit of God. 
In fact, more often than not, it's not our pursuit of some bad thing that causes us to drift from God. More often than not, it's our passion for something we think is good, and it distracts us. We become preoccupied with something that is, by comparison, petty. So how do we do it? How do we seek first His kingdom? How do we seek first His righteousness? How do we fight that drift? Well, a lifetime ago, when I was a professor at Kentucky Christian College, one of my colleagues, he was also my pastor at the time and our basketball coach, he drilled this into his players. Over and over, Dick Dameron said to his kids, remember who you are and what you stand for. Remember who you are and what you stand for. It'll make a difference. Remember who you are and what you stand for. And it'll make a difference for you. If you're a Jesus follower and you remember that every day, who you are and what you stand for, it'll make a difference. In fact, this whole series that we've been in is about some of the weird things we Jesus followers do, right? It's not about just what we believe because that makes us a Jesus follower. We do some strange stuff because we are Jesus followers. And we do this stuff to remember who we are and what we stand for. That's why we do this stuff. We worship, not just when it's convenient, not just here on Sunday, but the worship on the first day of every week becomes part of the rhythm of the life of a Jesus follower, and we need it. Jesus followers assemble to worship God together on the first day of every week if we can. We've been doing that for 2,000 years, and every time we enter this room, we are reminding ourselves who we are and what we stand for. We come here to worship the big G God. But we also come here to remind ourselves that He's our Savior and our Lord. When you come to this table a little later on, you're going to eat this bread and drink this cup, and you're going to remind yourself that Jesus is your Savior and your Lord. Listen, guys, if you have a hard time seeking first the kingdom and His righteousness, let me just ask you this question. Is weekly worship part of the rhythm of your life with God? If not, duh. Make it so. Because that's part of what it means to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. It reminds us who we are, what we stand for. Two weeks ago, Ben talked about prayer, having a conversation with God every day. And it doesn't have to be fancy. You don't, you're never going to impress God with your words. It's more of an acknowledgement that He's always there. He's always there loving you first. Adoration, submission, confession, supplication. He talked about all of these things. Did you know that when you pray, you are reminding yourself who you are and what you stand for? Whether you're giving Him thanks for your food, thanking Him for an amazing sunset, whether you're asking His forgiveness, His grace, whether you're asking for His help, at the same time telling Him that you trust Him, when you pray, you're reminding yourself who you are and what you stand for. It's part of seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness. If you're struggling keeping your focus on God, are you praying every day? Last week, I talked about reading our Bible, the Word of God. I talked about trying to get in the habit of reading it every day, even if it's just a single verse, the verse of the day. Now, we do this in part because we want to know what God wants and what God thinks. 
But we also do it because every time we open this book and obediently listen, obediently listen, we're reminding ourselves who we are and what we stand for. It's part of seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness if we make it part of the rhythm of our life. If you're struggling keeping God first, are you in the word? Listen, guys, just setting aside a few minutes every day to spend some time with God, praying, listening to God by reading his word will change your life. It'll make your life better and it'll make you better at life. What we're talking about is learning how to live in the presence of God. We're talking about learning to become aware of his presence. He's always here. No matter where we are, what we're doing. It's about learning to find strength in his presence, peace in his presence. It's about learning to do life with God. Guys, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about stuff like connecting with other Jesus followers and looking for ways to serve people in the name of Jesus. So we're going to talk about sharing our faith. And it's all about seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's all about doing life with God, for God, God's way together. It's about living the very best life possible. So, if you're a Jesus follower... Remember who you are and what you stand for, right? Let's pray together. Father, it's quite a challenge, and we get distracted so easily. And every time we get distracted, our life becomes less. Give us the wisdom. Give us the courage, the determination to be people of God. Stand tall for Jesus and to live a great life. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.
first and last. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have to go to the tables and be mindful of these things as you seek God first. When we go to these tables, you'll have the, a chance to take some bread and some juice for communion together. And if you come in this place as your home and you want to give an offering, the black boxes under each of the stations are available to you. Maybe you've got a couple extra dollars that you want to give to people in need. There's some white buckets that are there. Let's keep these things in mind. Stay in it. Let's turn our attention and our focus to Jesus in these moments. Let's go to the table for now.
for your spirit to be in this place and in our hearts. Teach us to live for you.
all about. I want to make sure that these are the things that are on our hearts as we leave in this place today and go out and just let the world know who you are, what you pursue. One more time, Matthew 6.33. I want these words to be on our hearts as we leave. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. Where are your passions? This is your chance today to reset it all. Let this world see who you pursue, who has your heart. We're so glad that you chose to be here today. We hope to see you again next week. Bye-bye.